True heart leadership to me means leaving someone better than I found them. You know, Maya Angelou has that wonderful quote, people will forget what you did, people will forget what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So it's how you make someone feel. That's, I think that's really it for me. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of All About HR. My name is Neely, I'm your host. And for today's episode, I got to sit with Claude Silva. She is the chief heart officer at Vanya Media and we had a beautiful conversation about leadership from the heart and emotional optimism so I cannot wait to get started but before we are going to the conversation as always don't forget to subscribe to our channel hit that notification bell and like this video let's welcome Claude to the podcast another episode of All About HR. Hi, Claude. Welcome on the podcast. How are you? I am doing well. Dag, hoe gaat het? Heel goed. Dankjewel. En met jou? Very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's all the Dutch I know. Well, I think that's already a very good start and a, a friendly way of, of starting a, a conversation, a very good basis. Yes, I always think it's good to know how to say hello or thank you in any language, most languages, you know. I'm glad I'm glad you could understand what I was trying to say in my broken Dutch. I did understand it, Claude. A great pronunciation. Well done. So before we are going to really dive into our conversation, perhaps you can start by telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself as well as Vanier Media. Yes, of course, of course. Well, my name's Claude Silver. I am the Chief Heart Officer of Vayner Media. Vayner X is our holding company. We're located in New York. We've got roughly 1,800 people now. A lot of people were full service agency that really believes in following consumer attention. So where their attention is, is where we'll go. We're founded by Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a phenomenal, not only a phenomenal boss, he's a social media a guru. And I've been at the company for eight years and change. I've been doing this role. We created this role six and a half years ago. Gary and I created it. Uh, I only have one job description, and that is to touch every single employee and infuse the agency with empathy. So that is mine to figure out every day how to do that, how to scale that. Each and every conversation is different. I can't imagine doing anything else. And this is the best career for sure. Uh, my life's work really is this. And I'm, I really love being a part of the community, not only of VaynerMedia, of course, but the community of people in the world of HR leadership, people that are really looking to change an archaic way, an old way of doing things. Beautiful. Absolutely a beautiful, Claude. And I mean, I, I have read many of the of the posts that you share on LinkedIn and I've also seen you speak in various videos. And I have to say that this message about uh, the heart and the heartbeat, as you beautiful said, it, it really transpires in, in everything that you put out there. So uh, yeah, I find that very inspiring. Now, you are with the company for about eight years, I believe you said, and then around six and a half years, you created this uh, role and it was created for you together with Gary. How uh, did did you come to create this role together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, when Gary and I met, I think it was pretty obvious that we both had a very similar love and passion for people. We saw a lot of possibility where people that see the glass full, not only just half full. And that's probably why we hit it off and why I started to work with him in the beginning. 
And as I was working there in my first year, uh, he had me going to other offices and going and checking in on people, making sure people were doing doing well, they were feeling good, they were feeling seen. And so upon my year anniversary, I realized, oh, I no longer want to do advertising. That's all I want to do is spend time with people. It's natural for me. It's I'm a, you know, I'm a player, I'm a coach, I'm a mentor, I'm just me. And I told him, thank you so much. I love this place, but I no longer want to do advertising. And he said, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I only care about people. I only care about the heartbeat of this place. And one thing led to another. And we had we didn't have an HR division. I had never done HR in my life, but he felt that I could scale him, which is a huge honor. And he knew that I would take care of the people as he takes care of them. So we created the role. He said chief heart officer, maybe because I said heartbeat, but really, you know, seeing seeing humans as heartbeats rather than employees is where we're coming from, taking care of them holistically because a person's life doesn't start at 9 a.m. when they walk into an office or when they turn on Zoom. Their person's life started maybe three hours ago, two hours ago, you know, and so really taking into account the human. Wow. Beautiful. And I think we'll talk later, Claude, uh, about how you are actually touching the people uh, within within the company as well. But first, I wanted to take a moment to talk about your role, uh, Chief Heart Officer. I have to say, when I saw that title, it immediately sparked uh, my attention. And it, it made me wonder, what does the heart represent to you in uh, Chief Heart Officer? Yes, yes, yes. So for me, you know, our hearts are are our central operating system. Without our hearts, we are not. We are not here. In any organization, even if you're creating AI or robots all day, you need human beings. There's a consistency here. Human beings have hearts. Human beings are the heartbeat of any single organization. So for me, you know, keeping people's hearts at the top of mind, top of my heart is what's really, really important. And remembering that each and every conversation we have, we're leaving our heart print, our thumbprint on that person. How do we want to enter into that conversation? What kind of energy do we want to bring when we come onto the screen or walk into that room? These are all things that I think encompass energy and they encompass self-awareness and they encompass emotional intelligence and they encompass the messiness of human beings. And I enjoy that. I enjoy it all. I'm just as messy as anyone else. You know, I'm a, I'm a human. So, you know, we go into workplaces and we're so used to kind of like covering up who we are. Don't get too close. I'm not going to get too close to you. You don't get too close to me like this. We block our hearts and that's not working anymore. It's just not working anymore. And especially with the pandemic coming out of the pandemic, with the Generation Z that's coming up, like they're loud and we need to greet them in a different way. And by greeting them in a different way, by being more open, authentic, vulnerable, uh, full of gratitude and humility, I believe they will greet us the same way. And I believe that is what will lead to great success and ROI in business, but more than business in life. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's funny, Claude? When I heard you speak about um, about the heart and about the energies, it reminded me of a conversation I had the other day with somebody and he was telling me that actually we have three brains as human beings and our first brain is 
our heart. Our second brain is our gut. And then our third brain is what we call our actual brain. And so a lot of things, they first happen and we feel them first in our heart or in our gut. And only then comes our uh, our, our third brain, our actual brain into, into play, so to speak. Isn't that wild? It's just wild, which is why we always say, yeah, I feel it in my gut. This is the right decision. I feel it inside the right decision. Yes. And you know, something else that I find fascinating as well is that when a baby grows inside a, a mother's womb, the first thing that develops or the thing that develops first is actually its heart. So it heart, mm. its heart develops before the brain starts developing. I thought that was super interesting as well. I love that. And, and even to take that another step forward, which is the origin of the word courage is cur, C-O-U-R, I believe, cur, which meant heart way back in you know the latin times so courage means heart i mean it's all they're all everything's connected to this heart so something else that really struck me when you were talking claude is that yes yeah, so in a way this is obvious when we think about the heart and its importance and it goes way back as you as you said as well but when we then look at the workplace and what's happened there is that over the years we've yeah we've definitely covered up our hearts and we've blocked off many parts of ourselves as well we didn't show ourselves really in the workplace i do think that has become a little bit better uh the past two years because i think we saw a lot more of our colleagues and their personal lives also partially thanks to the, the working at home and we saw their kids and we saw their pets uh, etc but back to that moment for a second when you actually uh, first entered the hr space because you didn't come from an hr background you had this beautiful vision and idea of how you wanted to touch people's lives as a chief heart um, officer. What were you thinking when you first entered this HR world and you saw what the, well, let's say norm was there? Yeah. Well, remember, I've been a employee for a very long time in my life. So I have interacted with HR departments before. So I was well aware of the fact that I never really felt taken care of by an HR department. I really don't think they had any use for me. I'm not, a, I wasn't a troublemaker, but I still could have used someone leaning in and checking in on me. So that was very apparent that I was going to do the exact opposite of what I believe HR departments generally were known for. And that meant I was going to be open and available and lean in on what I believe is, is right, which is emotional intelligence, which is being self-aware, not being afraid to share things with myself about myself, trusting first, letting everyone like get a taste of who we are before they go into the deep end of a of a role. All of the things that just opposite of what I had done in my life, because I, I feel like we have these wonderful people in front of us that are so filled with inspiration and innovation and creativity and uniqueness and diversity. And we only scratch the surface. Okay. Only just do what your job description says. That's all. Bye-bye. And we're missing out on, you know, 75% of this other, of this person. So I love the fact that even at Vayner, you know, we, we we want you to have a side hustle. You do side hustle, great. It's only going to add and contribute to your energy, your curiosity here. They're, they're going to dovetail together. And I also firmly believe that in order to create trust, you must create psychological safety. You must make people feel safe so that they can connect authentically. And once that happens, which happens in a blink of an eye or takes a week or takes a year, then you can have trust. And with that, sky's 
the limit. Once I trust you, you trust me, we can do things together. We don't have to be afraid of failure because I know you got my back and I have your back. And can you maybe share, Claude, uh, with our listeners who might be thinking now, uh, okay, but how do we go about creating that psychologically safe environment? Can you maybe share a few things that you did at Vanya when it comes to creating that environment? Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I think the first thing is recognizing that we're always going to be passengers with other people. And that to me is what empathy is all about. It's showing up with compassion and kindness and either asking to be invited or accepting the invitation to be invited to a conversation and not pushing our beliefs, not judging, just holding space for someone to put into this magical space, whatever it is, sadness, tears, joy. They just got engaged. They have a new puppy. They just won a great account. They got a promotion, whatever this space is, but to neutralize that. It's not about Claude. I don't have to have the answers. This isn't what's right, what's wrong. This is literally creating a place where you can say, what whatever it is you want to say, because I trust you. And I know it's not going to be about Claude fixing anything. So creating that safety is incredibly important. And you, know, you have to be willing to know you're not, you're not the hero. This isn't the Claude show. This is the Nelly show. This is the Bob show. This is the Angela show. I'm here to be of service to them. I work for 1800 people. I work with 1800 people knowing that, you know, it's all a collaboration and I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm kind of lost for words, Claude, here. <laughs> I'm going to peek at my document for a second because I was uh, freewheeling a little bit. But what I'd love to talk to you about as well is a bit more is leadership from the heart. Now, I saw that you mentioned somewhere that you had been given an extraordinary platform to share why kindness and empathy and true heart leadership are needed in today's uh, workplaces. Now, maybe we can start with why do you believe that these things like kindness, empathy, and leadership from the heart, why are they so needed in today's workplaces? Yes, it's a great, it's really such a great question. And I do think it's a very common sense answer. I recognize that you know, we need to share this more. People are motivated when they are not in fear. People are motivated when they have a calm sense of being, a sense of well-being, a sense of being loved, a sense of belonging, a sense of being seen. When people do not feel seen or they feel like they're in the wrong workplace or they feel very anxious, their cortisol levels shoot up through the sky and they no longer can perform. So why don't we do the opposite? Instead of breathing anxiety and fear into a person or into a culture, why don't we breathe a sense of belonging, a sense of everyone has a right to be here. Everyone has a right to take up space. Everyone has a right to share an idea. I know there's hierarchy in the world. I know you, you know, there's titles and whatnot. And that's just the way the world is right now. And those titles sometimes prevent some people from speaking up. But we have to create a culture where the titles aren't the main reason for being at the company. The main reason for being at the company is the collaboration, the warmth, the friendliness, the innovation. That all comes together, but it comes together when people are not scared. That's the thing. And that's why I think it's so important to lead with heart. That is exactly why. 
because it's who we are already. Who we are when we're with our family or we're with our children or we're with our football team or we're out, out to lunch with our friends. Like we're not like this. We're like this. So why not continue to be like this and be a vessel for generosity and for love and kindness? We need more kindness in this world and more possibility, you know, so I can go on and on and on. <laughs> I I, I totally agree with you, Claude. And I think when you look at people's work, at least most of the time, it is taking up such a big part of their lives, perhaps even the biggest part of their lives. And when you look outside of that uh, work environment, when people read the newspaper or when they switch on the television, there's already so much fear out there. There's so much bad news. There's a lot of fear, I think, that's already being instilled through all these different channels. So if only we could do more of the things that you are talking about, imagine just what tremendous impact, positive impact that could have on people's lives. Imagine, just imagine. Yeah, it's a revolution. Yeah, it's totally a revolution because, I mean, for most people, work is 30, 40, 50, maybe even more hours a week. So if we could just make that switch, it would completely change the way the world looks. And yes, I know maybe that I'm being a little bit too idealistic here, but I really believe that it would change so much. No, 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 no. I don't think it's idealistic. I think it's I think it's possible. Whether or not it's possible in my lifetime, who knows, but I think we're starting. You know, we're starting the evolution, the revolution, because it has been work life balance for so long. And the fact is, is it's life. Work is a part of life. It's a great part of life. It, it should be a great part of life. You want to go to work and enjoy and celebrate and, and learn and grow. And you also want your life. Yeah, I 100% uh, agree. This is going to be a bit of a boring conversation if I if I keep agreeing with you all the time. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But yes, all jokes aside, uh, back to leadership from the heart now. What does true heart leadership mean to you? Oh, gosh, true heart leadership to me means leaving someone better than I found them. That's how it means. You know, Maya Angelou has that wonderful quote, people will forget what you did. People will forget what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So it's how you make someone feel. That's, I think that's really it for me, the pinnacle. And so what am I doing in these conversations? How am I entering and how, how are we leaving? It's really important. Yeah. If we try for a moment to maybe give people some tools in getting better, better at this because I believe this is super important and not just for those of us who are working in people teams but for everybody within the organization I think we can all try to lead and act a little bit more from the heart so do you have a tip or something we can try to do more of yeah sure you can say thank you you can ask how a person is doing and actually really listen when they say I'm fine I'm okay I'm great like an okay is not great you know, listen, listen to people. You can pick up your phone right now and text someone you work with and say, I appreciate you or Slack them. That's very easy to do. So the, the small gestures mean the most. You're not buying someone a brand new car. Not, you can't do that. But you can say thank you to three people today. You know, you can hold the door open. You can tell someone that they matter to you. Like these are things they're they're very, very easy to do. It's a matter of you getting past your own insecurities and just doing it. You know, it goes a long way. Hey, I really appreciate you. Thank you for helping me over the weekend, whatever it is. But size doesn't matter when it comes to touching people 
and creating connection and sharing love. It just doesn't, it's intention and consistency. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that about when you ask somebody, how are you? And they say, I'm okay, I'm fine. I had a conversation the other day about this with a friend and we were talking about when you ask someone, how was your day? And they say, oh, it was fine. It was okay. And we were saying like, that's actually just not good enough. It should be, I had a great day or it was fantastic. And I'm, I'm fully aware of the fact that we cannot always have fabulous days and not everything can always be fantastic. But I think we should at least try for it to be better than just okay. Yeah, I heard this one quote once that says, you cannot outsource your joy, meaning you can outsource someone cleaning your house. You can outsource someone washing your car. You can outsource not driving and taking an Uber, but you cannot outsource what's inside here. No one else can be happy for me and then hand it back to me. Yeah, that is very true. Claude, we are going to slightly change tack here because there is something else that I'm very excited to talk to you about, and that is emotional optimism. Because we cannot have this podcast together without talking about this. I noticed that it is the first thing that you say about yourself in your LinkedIn bio is that you're an emotional optimist. Now, maybe for some, this is still a relatively new or unknown concept. So can you start by telling us what emotional optimism is? Yeah. Well, I will say everything we've talked about already is under the umbrella of emotional optimism. It's acknowledging that not every day is going to be a bright day. It's acknowledging that not every conversation I have at work is going to be great. It's acknowledging that my day starts three hours before I even come to work and I have children and you, you know, people have a spouse and people work out and there's a whole life that happens. And sometimes we bring that into the workplace and we will get triggered. We will not be at our best. That's the emotion, right? So to be able to acknowledge emotion, acknowledge it, not hang on to it, acknowledge it, and then know that there is hope out there. There is another opportunity out there. The sun will shine again tomorrow. And that's, it's a big lift. If a person is not self-aware or not on that self-awareness journey, it's very difficult to acknowledge emotion. You know, it's easier to blame people then or to be a victim. But when you just acknowledge the fact that, you know, I had a bad fight today with my brother or whatever it is, and I'm kind of hanging on to that and I'm not my best self right now, but I know that once I shake this feeling, I'm going to be much better. And also, that there's support in the world. You don't have to be alone. I think the big epidemic of the world, I think we're finding post-COVID is this loneliness that people have, you know, especially since we've been at home and we've just been interacting with people on screen or on our, you know, phone. And, um, and that's, I don't think that's how we humans were meant to connect with one another. So emotional optimism is really like the emotional awareness, but not hanging on to it. It's not like you say, say I got into a fight with my spouse. It's not like I'm bad. That fight made me feel sad. So there's a difference. I am not sad. Claude doesn't walk around this universe sad, but that altercation made me sad. I will get through it. Nothing stays forever. That's a very different way of looking at things though. 
That is a very important distinction, I think. It takes time and it takes a real willingness to to want to, you know, get in the driver's seat. Oh, absolutely. I think it's always easier to point our fingers at something that is outside of ourselves to some external reason to say that that's why we are feeling like this or that about something or that's the reason why something didn't really go the way we were hoping it would go. And I think that for most of us, there are still a lot of lessons there that we can learn and that we yeah that we can learn to look more inside ourselves first before we are going to point our fingers outside ourselves oh gosh all of us myself included so how does one become an emotional optimist claude where do you start does it start with self-awareness you would say or yeah i mean i think most things do start with self-awareness i really do or at least the willingness to learn more about yourself and what makes you tick and what makes you pissed off and what makes you happy and sad i i just think that's a, a wonderful gift that we as human beings can give ourselves i don't know if other species can do that but i know we can so i think things really do start with the journey of self-awareness for sure. And then, you know, the optimistic part, that's the part that can catch people up because you can look at the world and say, what is there to be hopeful about? What is there to be optimistic about? There's wars, there's this, there's that, there's this, there's that, there's gun violence. However, I think for me, I have found it to be easier for me to be in this world when I have hope and possibility inside of me so i can see the beauty of the small things i can see the joy in my children's faces i can see the flowers bloom you know rather than just seeing all of the terrible things so you have to be willing to see some of the joy some of the good and not everyone is set up to do that and that's okay that's okay but you have to be willing to know that inside of of a dark place you'll always find the light there will always the light always exists you just have to look for it yeah there there's no darkness without light i think claude the, the, the two always always go together i'm i'm convinced about that let's go back to the company for a moment to the world of work how have you seen emotional optimism impact organizational culture and well-being yeah, yeah that's a really great conversation actually because where i work right now we really put so much focus on the person and we put so much focus on trusting the person and wanting the person to embed themselves within our principles but bring their own spin to it. So for example, I may define empathy as this. You may define empathy as that. There's a crossover, but they're not identical. So the first the first thing is that allows for a lot of inclusivity. We want diverse thoughts at our table, right? And we um, empower people to bring their diverse thoughts and who they are to the table. Right then and there, if we can also have people feeling like they can share their authentic self who they are and not be afraid that they're going to be on attack right there and then you can bring your emotions you can bring your emotions to work if they feel safe if people feel safe and if people in the workplace feel like cool okay you're bringing your emotions but i don't need to take care of you right because everyone's got their own stuff but i feel like if we continue to share with people look we trust you we want you to bring your real self to work that's how we're going to get great, great, great creativity out of you or whatever it is. And we are always going to find an answer. 
to a solution. There will never be a day that we don't have some kind of answer to whatever it is you might be going through. That's the optimistic part. That's the possibility part. So, but it requires people doing some of the work, you know, showing up requires people to show up. So it's, it's within the, the water stream over there. Yeah. And how would you say that emotional optimism enables leaders? Oh, that's a good question. The thing about leadership is it can also be very lonely. And I think emotional optimism tells you that you don't have to go at it alone. You know, if you share, if you know what you're going through and you choose to share, you don't have to go through it alone. And I do think the more leaders come together and have their own jam sessions, think tanks, sharing different ideas and points of views and whatnot, it is a less lonely feeling because sometimes, yeah, you know what they say, it's lonely at the top. So sharing the possibility, sharing vision is extremely important for leaders, getting people on the same page, knowing that you're not alone, and then also sharing the possibilities of what can open up when we all come together. And that's where I, where I think emotional optimism can empower leaders, because I think leaders think that they have to come into work and don't get too close to me. I'm a leader. I'm in charge. You can't get close to me and I'm not going to get close to you. And that's just, that's from the dinosaur age. Yeah, I believe that leaders also often feel that they need to have all the answers and that they're not allowed to say, that. I don't know. Um, so I think there's something so powerful about a leader that's able to say, sorry, guys, I don't know the answer necessarily, or that is able to say, to, to be vulnerable and say, I'm not having a great day. I'm not feeling well because of this and this and this. Because it, it shows people that managers, leaders, that they're also human beings. And I also believe that for the trust element and the part of building trust, trust between a manager and the team members, this, this can also be super uh, powerful. Anyway, all this to say, Claude, that I think uh, that was a great answer. So how would you like to see HR be more involved in all of this, Claude? First and foremost, I think HR is everyone's responsibility. That's the thing. So the more other people chose to take care of other people in the workplace and not just relegate it to the HR department. I think people would get a better sense of pride in who they are, that they can help people, that they're good listeners, and that it doesn't always get to HR where people think like, uh oh, it's in HR's hand. So I think the first and foremost is re recognizing in a healthy company, everyone cares about each other. Everyone will make time for each other. There is healthy competition, but not unhealthy competition. There's not favoritism, all of that stuff, which look again, we're humans, so it happens. But that's the first thing. The second thing is I think HR needs to be remodeled a little bit. I think that there's been an enormous amount of time and energy that's been put into HR departments to protect the company. And, you know, you're just being a no person at that point. You're being a no person and you are being reactive rather than proactive. And uh, I think we need to switch that to be HR is partnering with the entire company and partnering with all of its people. It's not protecting the company, it's partnering with. And that's very, I mean, partnering is an active word. Protecting is is like, oh, gotta protect all the, the jewels. So I believe that the world of HR will move more into that of coaches. 
you know, I'm not talking about the benefits and the, uh, the payroll. That's obviously different. There's a science to that. But in terms of, you know, HR business managers or, or business partners, like there's an element of coaching there where you don't have to have the answers, but you're guiding people. So that's what I, that's where I think the world of HR will be changing and it is changing in pockets. People don't get into HR because they want to say no all day. They get into HR because they they care about people. They fundamentally want to be around people and, you know, create change. I love the part there, Claude, where you're talking about HR partnering with everybody in the company. And I think that goes very well together with everyone in the organization being co-responsible for HR because it is partnering and at the same time uh, collaborating. I really, uh, yeah, I really love that element there. I think that this brings us to another fun part of our podcast. And this is the part where I get to ask you, Claude, and I'm very curious to hear your answer about what you believe is one of the biggest cliches out there that exists about HR. One of the biggest cliches is that there are people that push that push paper all day long. Yeah, I think that is a big one indeed and one that keeps existing as well. But I also think that is definitely not the case anymore, at least not in, in most uh, organizations. The other question, Claude, is that I always like to ask uh, my guests to share an epic win and an epic fail with us. So this can be anything, can be personal, can be professional, can be a combination of both, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with us. Yes, uh, I've had many of both. <laughs> I would say an epic fail, an epic fail I have is sending a text to the wrong person that we were going to terminate them and it went to the wrong person. It went to the person we were terminating. And uh, that was an epic fail. Epic fail. Uh, it wasn't supposed to go to them. It was supposed to go to the person I would be doing it with. And it went to them years and years ago. And oh gosh, my heart sank the minute it happened. You know, we ended up still terminating the person and, and I ended up having, you know, a good conversation once I got through the intense apology and intense, just that the feeling that that other person had towards me. So we ended up having a good conversation and I, I do believe the person left on good terms. And I know we've been able to help that person in their career, you know, years ago after they left, but epic fail. And, um, you know, I have, I have epic wins a lot. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're large. Today I had a really beautiful conversation with an employee that just lost his best friend to suicide. And we were able to really, I think, meet with our hearts and tears. And that was an epic connection, I'll call it. Beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing that. You're welcome. Yes. And this also brings us to the end of our conversation, Claude. I, I really want to thank you from my heart, really, and I, I mean that. Thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, so thank you very much for joining. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and I love the questions. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in again to today's episode of All About HR. I hope you found the conversation as beautiful as I did. And if you haven't done this yet, don't forget to subscribe to the channel hit that notification bell and share this episode with a friend, a colleague, a family member. Thank you so much and see you soon for a new episode of All About HR. Bye.